Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that guarantees you we will never play music by Zamfir, master of the pan flute. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly broadcast. Coming to you from the smoke-filled studio built here at my office just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. I gotta tell you, the weather's been a little crazy. So in the last two weeks, I've been in uh, freezing rain twice, thawed out the warmth of Florida, and now the past couple of days here at home, it feels a little bit like uh, summertime. And all that has led me into having some sort of a cold, so... A bit of a change to today's show. Instead of doing the uh, comparison taste testing of pairing beverages with tobaccos, we're going to talk about uh, who's producing what in uh, the pipe tobacco world. My guest tonight, Steve Morissette, great friend of mine. Look forward to spending time with him every chance I get. Pipe maker, former pipe collector, musician. We'll get into a lot with him. Uh, Music going to play some of uh, Steve's old music from his uh, rock band days, so that'll be fun. We'll do a mailbag and a rant, all that coming up. Hey, I do want to tell you the one benefit to having a cold, uh, you can't taste anything. So I haven't been smoking my pipe a lot lately, but at the same time, uh, since I can't taste anything, my nighttime medication to help my throat and help me ease me into bed Getting rid of some of that uh, cheap whiskey that I've got sitting around the house that uh, doesn't taste so good. Since I can't taste it, what the hell's it matter? Drink it up, soothes the the pain, and has been helping me uh, get some sleep. On the home front, I want to brag a little bit. Yesterday, my daughter, uh, 15 years old, came home with uh, the A honor roll for her first... uh, first semester of 10th grade and she made it into the all district or I'm sorry all county band here in uh, Cabarrus County North Carolina so kind of proud of her anyway got a great show for you want to say a special thank you to smokingpipes.com everybody sit back relax fire up a bowl we'll get this show going right now This is Internet Radio. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at Smokingpipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. 
Welcome back. Hey, I just realized this is our 20th episode, so kind of a momentous occasion, but let's get right into this. It's called A a Tale of a Traveling Pipe Tobacco Blend. There are four major manufacturers of pipe tobacco in Europe. In Denmark, the two monsters, the two big ones, are Orlik and McBaron. In Germany, smaller than Orlik and McBaron is Planta and Kohlhauser. In the United Kingdom, three what I would consider to be boutique-level manufacturers make a good amount, but not, not near the size of an Orlick or a McBaron, is Germain & Sons, Samuel Goweth, and then Goweth Hogarth. So let's talk about who makes what for a little bit, and we'll take the storied tale of Alfred Dunhill's own favorite tobaccos. So for years, we know that Alfred Dunhill was mixing his own tobaccos in the store, coming up with their own custom blends and the My Mixture line and several others. The most recent major shift was when Murray and Sons, which was making all of Alfred Dunhill's tin tobaccos, shut down. The production was then moved to Orlick Tobacco in Denmark, They did not own the rights to it or the trade name. It was just a contract to manufacture those products. Now, we understand recently, production has been moved to Kohlhauser in Germany. So every time you get a shift or a change in manufacturing, you get a movement of tobacco blends. Same thing happened with Borkum Riff. Borkum Riff for years was made by the Niemeyer Company in Holland. Niemeyer shuts down or gets acquired and merged, and McBaron takes over production of Borkum Riff. McBaron, getting that much production, puts on a whole new packaging line, expands their factory a little bit, builds it up and gets ready to produce Borkum Riff, produces Borkum Riff for several years, but then the ownership of the brand changes, and all of a sudden that production moves from McBaron to Orlick. Orlick acquires that brand. McBaron is left without it. Similar story goes on in the United States. Peter Stokeby, whom I worked for. Peter Stokeby owned the company until the early 1990s, sold to Orlick. All the Peter Stokeby production was moved into Orlick. When I worked there, it was all manufactured in the Orlick factory. Now, Villiger comes in, buys out the business in the United States. They have an agreement to distribute the product. That agreement expires after five years, and during that time, Orlick, part of Scandinavian Tobacco Group, also acquires Lane Limited and merges the two together. So now Villiger Stokeby is left without the pipe tobacco. So what do they do to fill that gap? They go to McBaron, who produces the Newminster line to the specifications of Eric Stokeby. Now that product in the United States is made by McBaron and sold through the Villiger company. At the same time, the McBaron tin tobaccos and the McBaron bulk tobaccos are sold through their distributor, Phillips & King. So they have multiple outlets. If you're not completely confused yet, 
Let me go a little bit further as to how some of these blends or some of these brands have merged around. I'll use the Butera blends for an, for an example. Mike Butera, great American pipe maker, had his own import company, wanted to come out with a line of tobaccos very similar in the, uh, and what I'll say, the Esoterica line is very similar to what a Dunhill was doing at that time. So Mike Butera goes to Jermaine and says, this is what I'm thinking, and can we do this, and can we work these together? At the same time, Mike Butera is looking for a couple other products in the Pelican and Kingfisher, and he goes out to other manufacturers to specifically find somebody that can make something just for him. That's called contract manufacturing. It's very similar to the situation with the Dan Tobaccos. Dan Tobacco Company was a Danish retailer that had businesses in Denmark and in Germany. They, for a while, manufactured or had tobacco manufactured for them in Denmark to save on the import taxes and duties. They also opened up a business in Germany, and they had the same Dan tobaccos made for them in Germany. So now you have two different two different companies owned by the same people, but manufacturing in two different countries. Now all the Dan tobacco is made in Germany. To get the Dan tobacco into the United States, they went to their friends at CAO several years ago and said, hey, we'd like for you to import that. Now you have those coming in as a CAO brand, which has now been bought by the Scandinavian Tobacco Group, so it's merged in there. The Dan tobaccos are still made in Germany under the same specifications, but they're being sold to a company that is run by Scandinavian Tobacco, one of their competitors in Europe. So are you completely confused yet? If you want to have some fun... Google search Scandinavian Tobacco Group, get on their Danish website, you'll be able to go through the pipe tobacco and they'll list the major brands that they manufacture and distribute, and then they'll list, if you click complete brand list, they'll list everything that they, that they manufacture and distribute. Same thing goes for Kohlhauser and Kopp. If you go to Kohlhauser's website, you'll see all the stuff that they manufacture, including the current Ashton product. And there's another one. Ashton was for years made by McClellan here in the United States, and it got moved to Germany so that it could be sold globally without an unfair tax advantage. So take a look at everybody that's being manufactured, who's being made for what and where, and... You'll have fun just poking around and seeing where all these old brands are. Hope that was uh, informative, fun, and uh, at the same time, not too confusing. So, in just a minute, my friend Steve Morissette. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. 
All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the US and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. It is my pleasure to welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show Steve Morissette, pipe collector, musician, photographer, and now pipe maker, and uh, better of all, one of the guys that I just enjoy spending time with at pipe shows, and every time I get to Nashville, Steve and I always hook up for an evening. Welcome, Steve. Oh, well, thanks, man. It's great to be here. Um, Should we wait for the applause to subside or just jump in? No, let's get going in case everybody's asleep. We'll wake them up. Uh, Uh, Okay. So I know a lot about you because we've spent lots of nights sitting over a pipe and talking back and forth, but let everybody know, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Norfolk, Virginia, a fourth generation Norfolkian, and uh, that's next to the Chesapeake Bay, about 10 miles from the Atlantic Ocean, so salt water is in my veins, and I love boats and uh, stuff like that. And to continue with the theme of uh, Renaissance people in the pipe hobby, uh, your first uh, your first real passion was a uh, was as a drummer, correct? That's true. Uh, I went right from about a semester and a half of college when I realized that uh, studying physics wasn't going to work for me um, to playing drums, and I played drums for a living for about 20 years or so, ended up going to uh, music school in that process, and played all different kinds of music genres, Uh, and the high point of the career was I did get together with some old friends from high school, and we got a band together that uh, got signed to Chrysalis Records. And you were actually out in L.A. about the... uh same time i was yeah i didn't know that but uh that's kind of interesting you're a little bit older than i am so well that's okay you know i don't want to tell anybody but uh i would think i was in my early part of high school when you were in la uh yeah well you might have come out to see us play you know but uh no actually if you were in early high school you wouldn't have been able to get in (laughs) unless you had a fake id and knowing you you probably did oh no not me so 20 years of uh, beating the skins, and then you started into photography? Yeah, I was. Uh, I transitioned, actually, and you know how things overlap in your life. Um, I was playing uh, with a guy. We were doing like a duo thing. He was playing multi-keyboards and kick and bass pedals and singing, and I was singing and playing multi-percussion and stuff, and we had a pretty good thing going and making money and playing hotels and things like that and uh we were playing a wedding one day and i went through the line during a break to get some food and i was right next to the photographer and i've been interested in photography and um i said you know if you don't mind uh, let me ask you what you're getting paid well he was getting paid more than the entire band so i thought oh well this is a good way to transition out of music uh the music business had really gone to heck in a handbasket. Um, when we were out in L.A., they wanted us to pay to play uh, in a nightclub so that we could do um, what they called um, showcases. Yeah. And I just simply decided that I wasn't, I didn't, 
practice eight hours a day for many, many years to provide free entertainment for some club owner. I studied photography. I went to school again and uh, got hired out of school uh, working for a commercial photographer and quit going to school because I was on a work-study program and realized I was learning more with him in a week than I was in a semester of school. So I became a professional photographer and played music occasionally on weekends and in the evenings. While you were doing that, when did you start smoking a pipe? Uh, somewhere in there. Gosh, I'm really terrible about dates and stuff like that, but uh, I had quit smoking cigarettes a long time before, but I did pick up cigars and was interested in those and was smoking them back before the big cigar boom when you could actually buy a good cigar for less than $10. And uh, uh, a friend of mine, who happens to be a musician, as a matter of fact, was working in a cigar store, and I walked in one day, and he was smoking a pipe. And I thought, man, he looks pretty cool smoking a pipe. And, of course, I always want to look cool, so uh, I decided I would go home and pull out some of my dad's pipes. He had smoked pipes, and I had inherited several. And tried it out and decided I liked it and uh, got going that way. What were your first pipes? Do you remember? My first pipe, yeah, well, my first pipes belonged to Dad. They were some really nice old K. Woodies and a couple of um, Irish seconds, I think, that he had that uh, somebody had given him, um, which I think were actually maybe old Petersons or something, and they were the first pipes that I actually reshaped. And how long before you, I, well, let's back up, backtrack a second. Sure. The first time I met you was at a uh, at a Richmond pipe show. Uh, how long before you started moving into the higher-end pipes? Uh, it wasn't long. Uh, it was a funny kind of an experience. Um, I walked into the shop where I had gotten the inspiration from my friend who worked there and was looking at the Dunhills and thinking, who in their right mind would spend 400 bucks on a Dunhill pipe uh, or any pipe? And uh, like a lot of people do when they start out. And the next thing I know, I think within six months or eight months, I was spending that much and more on high-end, nice Danish pipes. I tend to really get pretty obsessive about things when I get interested. And um, when I finally stopped collecting, uh, I was on the four-figure range with my collecting of pipes, um, you know, per pipe. What were what were some of the brands that you collected or some of the makers? Uh, well, near the end, when I decided to get into pipe making, um, I decided to try to get at least two versions or two examples of pipes from several different pipe makers that had the reputation of making very good smoking pipes so that I could study them and kind of do a cross-comparison and so forth. So those were Conovitz's and Everson's and Peter Heeshen and um, Kent Rasmussen. Uh, gosh, I'm trying to think who else, but the others don't come to mind at the moment. You've told me in the past that Reiner Barbie was a uh, influence in your oh, style. Yeah. Boy, I'm sure glad you brought that up. Uh, yes, Rainer, Rainer's pipes were the first good pipes I ever owned, and I still own several of them. Um, he is one of my pipe-making heroes, and uh, they always smoked well, and they just looked so fantastic. And uh, I owned several of his, and I still do. 
and um, he was a big influence in my pipe making, and uh, so was Cornelius Mintz. I got onto Cornelius before his pipe prices went out of sight, uh, luckily for me, and I still have several of them. Uh, coincidentally, the only pipe available on your website right now is a Reiner egg, so obviously a nod towards his styling. Uh, do you have any uh, any fond memories of the Richmond Pipe Show as a collector? Yeah, the one I remember most uh, was interesting for me because it was the first time that I had uh, purchased a, a Tyler Beard pipe, Tyler Lane, actually, um, and met him there. I talked to him on the phone and had been on his site, which was uh, Pipe Makers and Por- uh, Forum. Is that what it is, Pipe Makers Forum? Yeah. And um, he, he was running it at the time. And he's a wonderful guy. And I bought one of his pipes, and then down the road from him, just a few people over, was Todd Johnson, um, this really energetic and interesting guy who had these, what I at the time thought were very odd-looking pipes. Uh, but he was a real nice guy, and um, and I kind of liked his pipes. And I also met Neil Roan there, kind of introduced myself. He was in the bar, and I had just uh, purchased a pipe and was going in there to smoke it, and... Uh, struck up a conversation with Neil. So that was kind of an interesting uh, experience at that particular one. Uh, That was before I started making pipes, but uh, it was cool. And this is the kind of stuff that goes on at pipe shows all the time. You walk in, you meet somebody that you've only ever seen or heard of and talk talk to on the phone or an email, and you end up hanging out with them. Absolutely true. It's, It's one of the greatest things about pipe shows. I... Now that I've become a pipe maker and I have to sit at a table most of the time, uh, it's a real, um, it's a frustration that I can't get up and talk to all the people that I know and all the people I want to talk to. And and gosh, it's uh, it's a it's a love hate really. I mean, I like I love it when people come by the table and talk to them and stuff. But there's always somebody across the room that you want to get to and you never seem to. <laughs> Having a table at a pipe show does cost money but it'll also save you a whole bunch of money because you are anchored to that table for a while well that's true um i mean i I rarely buy anything anymore i tell people that uh the only briar i buy now is from mimo um (laughs) although on occasion as you well know uh when i find a particular pipe that i've been looking for or something about a particular person I will shell out the bucks if I'm able, and it's in my price range. We're going to come back in just a minute, and then we'll talk about what Steve does to those uh, blocks of wood that he buys from Mimo. So we'll be back in just a minute. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. I have scoured the endless expanse of the universe looking for the perfect pipe, and after years of searching, I have found it right here on Earth. The best pipes in the universe, only at cupojoes.com. Celebrity voices are impersonated. We are back. Steve's still on the phone. Steve, let's get right into the good juicy stuff. Your pipes. Um, what first 
you know, besides knowing you from the pipe shows and stuff like that, the first time I really got a good look at your pipes was Richmond, uh, I believe, a year and a half ago. And you have a distinctive style. And I think it comes from you being first a pipe smoker, then a collector, and now making a pipe. Uh, can you talk about, I guess as briefly as possible, what is it to you that makes a good pipe? The way I like a pipe to be is when it's in your hand to feel good and to be wonderful to look at, something you want to admire with your hands and with your eyes. I want it to make you feel good at, uh, about it, about your purchase, I want you to uh, be proud of it, you know, so that when other people see it, they will admire it and that sort of thing. And then when you put it in your mouth, I don't want you to be aware of it at all. I want you only to be aware of the tobacco taste and not even think about efforting to smoke, just really just smoking as a very natural thing. And then when you take it back out of your mouth, wow, you've got this quick and cool pipe. And that's what I'd like a pipe to be. You have, you, you've done some stuff that is very different from what other people have done. I, in particular, I was extremely impressed with the bulldog that you did that has the inlay in the top of it. Where did that yeah, idea come that, from? Um, I've had those ideas for a long time. Uh, I'd see things like um, purfling on uh, nice guitars, purfling being the fancy mother of pearl or abalone kind of inlay that they do on the edges of nice guitars or on the fretboard. And I, I just, I've always been into that sort of thing. When I was a little kid, I, I loved seeing the Fabergé eggs uh, when they were exhibited at the Richmond Museum. And uh, I just, I wanted to incorporate that into pipe making um, without turning them into some sort of gaudy horror. And the purfling that was done on that bubble dog was a result of hooking up with Grant Batson uh, kind of serendipitously, and because he was a great luthier, he told me about the techniques, and I adopted them to making a pipe. And uh, that pipe was has caused quite, quite a lot of interest, and I've done several different things like that. I just am always looking for ways to... Uh, you know, guys don't get to wear jewelry too much uh, this side of Liberace, so I try to dress them up a little bit on occasion when the pipe seems like it warrants it. That pipe also, it's in it's on the gallery on your website. The website is smpipes.com, S-M-P-I-P-E-S.com. That pipe brings me to another question. Uh, the stem of it and the stem on several of on several of the pipes that I've seen you do, as well as some of the newer, the the newer trend in pipe making seems to be to leave the stem more following the line of the shank and not bending as dramatically as it would have in the past. Can you explain that that lack of bend uh, in the stem? Yeah, well, you've astutely uh, observed, quite by accident, I'm sure, Brian. A absolutely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that um yeah the the my aesthetic uh which is not nearly you know not just mine is to extend 
the imaginary line, uh, the median imaginary line that runs through the center of the silhouette or the profile of the pipe, and to continue that line in the stem, so that you don't your your eye can very comfortably go rove from one end of the pipe to the other without having a jarring interruption, and that bend, if it's not done correctly, can't well if it's not done gracefully, can be a jarring situation. Now, as far as smoking goes, um, it, it, you know, I, I think that it, it works quite well. Uh, but uh, it is a, a stylistic thing that, you know, it's continuing that line. It's, uh, it's for beauty and style. Does it help a pipe cleaner move through the pipe, too? It may. Uh, that's really not a concern that I think about in, in the process of that. Uh, I always make certain that, you know, you can get a pipe cleaner through the pipes without um, serious effort. Uh, sometimes when there are extreme bends in the shank and stem, you have to do a little teeny bit of tweaking with the, the end of the pipe cleaner to get them through. Like A lot of pipes like that. It's just the way it works. But uh, you... Yeah, you don't really think about that too much. I mean, a well-made pipe is going to pass pipe cleaners. Now, let's get into the meat of it. How many how many pipes a year do you make? Approximately, well, it, it varies. It goes up and down, but uh, I'd average about two a week. So about 100, 110 pipes on average? More or less. I'd say less, probably between 80 and 100, because I do tend to take time on these ones like the uh, I'm not pulling out two, two of those fancy bulldogs a week. For those who haven't seen your pipes, what's the what's the price range on your pipes? They run from about three ninety five to well, they can go up to eight hundred, eight fifty, a thousand dollars, depending on you know how fine a pipe it is and how much uh, adornment and work has gone into it and how how nice the, the grain is and so forth. Steve, are most of your pipes sold off of the website, or are they commission work? Where uh, where are most of your pipes going? Um, not so many off the website these days because I've been kind of lazy about that, but I do have uh, uh, alerts that I put out. I also use Instagram, uh, which has been uh, very successful in, in showing people what's the latest work. And uh, I do get a fair number of commissions. Uh, a lot of people do look at the site and say, hey, I want a pipe like that. Um, and we see what we can do to do that for them. You know, I make the very best pipes I can. I always try to make them way better than, they, than I charge for, actually. I think that's the only way you can uh, get ahead in the pipe world or any other world is to give people more than what they're paying for. So your average pipe is between four hundred to seven fifty, eight hundred dollars. You've been influenced by the by some of the great masters. You've smoked their pipes, you've admired them, and those pipes are now selling the 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 pipes from Conowitz and the Eversons are selling in the four to five thousand dollar range. So here's a chance for somebody to get a pipe that I don't want to say it's exactly going to smoke exactly like a, a great Danish master, but definitely have the influence and have the characteristics of it. 
Uh, before I've got about 30 seconds before we get into the end of it, explain your ultimate cigar mouthpiece as quick as possible. Okay, it is a, a very beautiful, fancy uh, mouthpiece that is often made of laminates of exotic woods. I use the finest ebonite just like I do for my pipes. I take the same approach to them as I do with my pipes, and I make them absolutely as open as possible. Uh, they are not like a cigar holder. They do not have some tiny hole punched through them. Uh, they are, I put as little as possible between you and the end of the cigar uh, in the openings to make the flow very natural, and they are beautiful to look at. Everyone is different. Uh, often they are bespoke. In other words, they are made specifically for a client to his specs, and uh, I've had women say that looks a heck of a lot better than an ashtray than the chewed-up end of a cigar, which really helps out in some situations. And uh, you will not run into an old guy in a club or, you know, in a, in a smoking club or something uh, that is using one uh, that looks just like yours because none of them will. And with that, we'll wrap it up with the Fast Five final questions, which you have not been prepped for. Short answer, first thing that comes to your mind, there's no right or wrong answers to these five questions. Are you ready? Okay. What's your favorite pipe? Uh, I have a Briner Barbie uh, bent brandy that I love because I love Rainer and, and it's just a sweet friend. What's your favorite tobacco? My favorite tobacco is, it varies, but Penzance right now is real high on my list. What's your favorite place to smoke? Wow. Uh, in my grandmother's antique gentleman's chair and also in my m3 and your favorite drink my favorite drink wow uh is van winkle's rye uh the special rye that comes out only around christmas time that is my very favorite and your favorite thing to do while smoking oh i can't say that my second favorite thing to do while smoking is Either reading or listening to music. And with that, we'll wrap it up real quick. Check out Steve's Pipes at smpipes.com. Coming up in just a minute, you'll hear a little bit the music segment, some of uh, Steve's old band. So, Steve, I want to thank you for joining us. Keep making great pipes. Thank you, Mr. Levine. It was great fun. And we'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at Smokingpipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. 
But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. This is Internet Radio. We are back. Uh, back in November, we had a couple of Scots in a row, and now we've just had two Virginia gentlemen in a row. So check out Steve's Pipes if you get a chance. Steve's band called States. The song is Picture Me With You, and here's a little bit of Steve Morissette on the drums. Growing up in L.A., that same time used to go down to those same clubs. I had friends that were in bands, and back in those days, boy, if you weren't the headliner on a Friday night or a Saturday night, 
you were paying to play. You had to guarantee a certain amount of tickets sold or whatever it was, but I didn't know better. I just knew that I was going down there and we were going to have a good time. Good old 80s rock and roll. Mail call. Gather around, everyone. Got a lot of really kind comments about the uh, longer episode and the interview of Linwood Hines, so really appreciate that. Yes, it was a lot of fun. I love sitting down with Linwood and just chewing the fat for as long as possible. Uh, just a Just a great guy. So between that longer episode last week, the episode with Ole, and the interview of me on his podcast, that's a... A little bit over three hours of entertainment that you guys have had in the past two weeks. Hope everybody's caught up. Um, Birdseye asks about the roll-your-own tobacco that is out there labeled as pipe tobacco in response to the tax question. That is a great question. Here's what happened. Roll-your-own tobacco got thrown under the bus by the large cigarette companies and got taxed at approximately the same rate as cigarettes. So $28 per pound is the federal excise tax on roll-your-own. Remember, pipe tobacco is about $2.70 a pound. The definition, what makes a roll-your-own tobacco? There's some characteristics to it, but... The federal government's definition is, what does the manufacturer describe it as? What is the manufacturer's intentions? So if you take a roll-your-own tobacco and call it a Meerschaum cut or American pipe blend, whatever you call it, that's what it's classified as. That's how you tax it. Technically, the real classification difference is both moisture content, roll-your-own's a little drier, and the width of the cut. Most roll-your-owns will be very narrow. So that's the difference. That's why we see this new hybrid cross-pipe tobacco, blah-de-blah, whatever. Anyway, apparently our own uh, Kevin Godby got a little offended by my comment about taking over his mind or conquering his brain and uh, gave my phone number out to this uh fella that uh, called me and took offense to me a while back saying that we are in the golden age of pipes and we're in the golden age of pipe tobacco and pipe tobacco's never been better and blah de blah blah and so on and so on. So I recorded it, moved it over to an MP3. Check out this uh, grumpy old man. I'm old and I'm not happy. Everything today is improved and I don't like it. I hate it. In my day, we didn't have fancy tobaccos. If you wanted to smoke something, you took grass clippings and smoked them. It burned your mouth, seared your nostrils, made your eyes water, and tasted like horse manure. And you liked it. You loved it. Whoopee! We didn't have cured briar pipes that you could clench or hold in your hand. No, we had stone pipes that broke your teeth and gave you third-degree burns. There was nothing you could do about it. You were a toothless burn freak. Children would scream and run away from you. You were a public menace, a walking, pipe-smoking freak show. And that's the way it was, and we liked it. We loved it. Hallelujah, look at me. I'm a toothless burn victim. Oh, happy day. Not like today, everybody feeling good about themselves. I hate it. 
In my day, we didn't have pipe lighters or matches. If you wanted to light your pipe, you had to rub two sticks together. It took 45 minutes just to light your pipe, and that's the way we liked it. We used kerosene to light our pipes, and we would immediately burst into flames, and we liked it. We loved it. The call came in on a restricted number. I think that that's Kevin goofing around and trying to get inside my head while he was sitting down at the radio station a couple of weeks ago. Coming up in the next few weeks. Next week, regular show, regular time. Then we uh, shift things up a little bit. On uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day, I'll be in Germany. I will be doing the show directly from my hotel room in Frankfurt. We've confirmed it. We should be able to get an internet connection that'll work for it. So the show will be done from Germany. Then, the following week, we're going to move the show up. Wednesday, February 20th, International Pipe Smokers Day. Special early edition of the Pipes Magazine radio show to celebrate International Pipe Smokers Day. So, got a fun, uh, fun schedule ahead here. We'll be back in just a minute with uh, rant time. Hi, this is Matt Gus from the Seattle Pipe Club, and you're listening to the Pipes Magazine radio show. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Fact, Cup of Joe's has the largest selection of pipes and tobaccos on the web. Fact, for over 17 years, Cup of Joe's has maintained the highest standard in customer service. Fact, your thumb is the same length as your nose. Told you, cupofjoes.com. Cowboy. Cowboy. I told you earlier, I had a cold all weekend. Yes, coughing, sniffling, lots and lots of sneezing. All right, here's my way of treating a cold. I treat it with lots of fluids, Advil, and Hall's the little honey mentholiptus uh, cough drop things. I can't do antihistamines, and uh, NyQuil gives me the sweats and gets me all wired up. So, plenty of fluids and lots of rest. Plenty of fluids and lots of rest are not exactly possible. I'm drinking a lot of herbal tea with lemon and honey and a lot of water and a lot of coffee to keep myself going. Well, guess what that means? A lot of trips back and forth to the bathroom. So, it is absolutely, absolutely impossible to get plenty of fluids and lots of rest. However, I did get through it and uh, yes, at night in my tea little whiskey in there to help uh, soothe the pain, but that's my secret to getting through a cold. Hot tea, lemon and honey, coffee, plenty of water, make sure and eat right, and Hall's Mentholiptus uh, honey and lemon flavored uh, cough drops to soothe things and Advil when the pain gets to be too much for you. So, I gotta warn you though, you're gonna be uh, coughing, sneezing, wheezing, drinking, and uh, having a go and awful lot hey i hope you enjoyed the show trivia questions uh the answer to last week the meersham joint that everybody used to use 
it was actually albatross bone or uh, bones off the leg of any of the birds around uh, Turkey. Take those bones and turn them into little uh, uh, little tenons. So you can tell the difference by the older ones just by looking at the albatross bone, uh, looking at the tenon, and if it's plastic or clinks, that's a newer one. This week's trivia. Let's go back and do uh, something a little more simple. Latakia is an oriental leaf that is smoked over an open fire. Back in the old days, what did they use to burn to smoke the Latakia? And uh, probably one of the reasons why I'm not a big fan of Latakia. So, hey, look forward to uh, checking out all your comments on the forums. 34 people have been kind enough to rate us and uh, leave comments on iTunes. Please continue to do that. Don't forget, follow me on Facebook. Special big thank you to smokingpipes.com. And next week, hopefully completely cold-free. So until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy No, I'm not a doctor, nor have I ever played a doctor on TV.